Oh, um, I was just having a dream that I was the president of the United States and I was at a big conference that I told everybody was so important for the history, for the survival of the world, and I nodded off. How could I have gotten that idea, huh? They say things you see during the day wind up in your dreams. <laughs> Joe Biden, today, this is how it really happened. Keep your eye on his face. All around the world, I call on you to commit to concrete actions to stop the destruction of this magnificent planet. All right. This conference is one of the most He's down just for a little bit, and he's going to come back. To make decisions and reach agreements. Which and now he's down for good. You are in a position of extraordinary power. You can change forever the trajectory. Pretty ordinary group of uh, global leaders, huh? All right, the aides have noticed that he's asleep, and they're starting to freak out. So one of them responds. Yeah, here we go. Please help us to guarantee. He's not out of the woods yet. Pretty soon it'll be his turn to clap. Watch that. <laughs> he has to clap one more time. Very weak, very weak. Um, look, it's pretty funny. It's sad. It's mostly funny. I got to tell you what Trump said about this. Put out a statement just a little while ago. Ready? It's good. Even Biden couldn't stand hearing so much about the global warming hoax. The seventh biggest hoax in America followed closely behind the 2020 presidential election scam. Ooh, Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and of course, the no collusion finding of the Mueller report. Biden went to Europe saying global warming is the highest priority and then promptly fell asleep. For all the world to see at the conference itself, nobody that has true enthusiasm and belief in a subject will ever fall asleep. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. And uh, really, if climate change is as bad as he tells us, would he have nodded off like that? I don't care how bad the jet lag is. And they got a great big comfortable bed on Air Force One. Um, this was probably, however, when he was at his most effective. It got worse when it was his turn to speak. So let this be the moment that we answer history's call here in Glasgow. Let this be the start of a decade of transformative action that preserves our planet and raises the quality of life for people everywhere. We can do this. We just have to make a choice to do it. So let's get to work and thank you. Those of us who are responsible for much of the deforestation and all the problems we have so far have an overwhelming obligation to the nations who in fact were not there, have not done it. And we have to help much more than we have thus far. God bless you all and may God save the planet. Thank you. Okay, a couple of things there. First of all, Mr. President, it's Glasgow, not Glasgow. You said that like 15 times. Um, let's see, wind and solar, like President Trump said, they're just not there yet to carry the day. But there is a lot of money for many elites to make uh, in that area. Also, that sounded like an apology, didn't it? At the end there, an apology for the United States, something I guess he learned from Barack Obama, remember him when he went overseas representing America and apologizing every step of the way? The real crime of this uh, climate conference, however, was they don't do anything. 
They really don't do anything. Uh, they stand around, they take pictures. Oh, take a look at the pictures, by the way. There they are, all of the leaders. And uh, so where is Joe Biden in this picture, by the way? They all get together for a picture. Joe Biden is, uh, you can't see him yet. There he is, all the way at the end. Some people thought he looked a little disheveled. And at a moment like this, I don't care if you are a Democrat or Republican, you miss just a little bit Trump, huh? When he pushed them all out of the way. I think this was at the NATO conference. Look who's in charge. Nobody had any doubt. All right. So while Joe is wasting time overseas, the country that he leads, I think, has lost its way. Do you remember during COVID, the heart of COVID, how supportive we were of the medical workers and first responders? At 7 o'clock, people coast to coast would bang pots and pans to support them. Now, this is where we are. Thank you. I am being escorted out of Kaiser Permanente Hospital for um, my religious beliefs because I don't want to get the jab. And um, I asked all day for someone to explain to me why my sincerely held religious beliefs are not good enough for Kaiser. And no one was able to do that for me. So a nurse who stayed in the hospital during COVID escorted out because she won't get the vaccine, a vaccine that is, relatively speaking, brand new. And um, I think we should have that choice, don't you? Uh, she's not alone, not by a long shot. There's so many across the country. Hey, firefighters in New York City and first responders here. Uh, many of them, thousands of them actually, are not coming to work. They were given an ultimatum, get vaxxed or don't get paid, stay home. And a lot of them have stayed home. Take a look at this. Uh, 9,000 workers on unpaid leave, 26 fire companies out of service, 20% fewer ambulances. And by the way, the numbers could be much higher. And we're noticing that uh, the government here in New York City is not very forthcoming. What some believe could be happening here is an effort in the early stages. They want to nationalize first responders. They would love it. They could politicize them far more easily if they were nationalized. It's something to keep your eye on. In the meantime, when it comes to vaccines, wasn't this just a, such a breath of fresh air about a month and a half ago when we heard it from Trump. I came up with the vaccine. They said it would take three to five years, gonna save the world. I recommend you take it, but I also believe in your freedoms 100%. Totally reasonable, especially after Joe Biden and Kamala Harris totally badmouthed the vaccine back when they were running. Remember that? All right. Meanwhile, there's a major campaign to stifle any mention of Brandon the left. They're very, very sensitive to one of the funniest political jokes uh, in a very long time. And there's a real message here. Uh, they're going after right now the pilot on a Southwest Airlines flight. Uh, apparently, they landed in some city and the pilot gets on the public address system and says, welcome to wherever. The temperature is 72 degrees. Thanks for flying Southwest. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> well, there was an Associated Press reporter on board and she was very offended. And the story took off. All right. Southwest Airlines investigates pilots' use of Let's Go Brandon anti-Biden jibe. It's a big story, and the far left is going crazy about it. I mean, crazier than Afghanistan, our loss there. They didn't really care about accountability 
for Afghanistan, but they really care about it at Southwest Airlines. Take a look at this uh, uh, national security analyst for CNN. As an experiment, I'd love for a Southwest air pilot to say, long live ISIS. That's a terror group, ma'am, before taking off. That would make passengers genuinely upset. Let's see, what else are they saying out there? The pilot either has a bad sense of irony, is an blank, whatever, maybe drunk or has anger management problems. Just fooling around here. Let's go, Brandon. Let me see another one. Ooh, I like pilots that don't sympathize with terrorists, singular. Hmm. Southwest has some explaining to do. Lighten up, Chris. Let's see, what else? Uh, can I get 1,000 people to quickly comment hashtag fired so we can pressure Southwest Air to fire the MAGA pilot who said, let's go, Brandon, which means F Joe Biden. Yeah, thank you. Over the loudspeaker. These are fairly serious uh, left-wingers with public profiles. And boy, oh boy, are they upset, huh? Anyway, what do you say? For old time's sake. All of our partners. Oh my God, just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me. I can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I love it. The moment it encapsulates so much. And uh, boy, oh boy, talk about spinning for Joe Biden. Even a sports reporter. Anyway, let's go, Brandon. When we come back, uh, we knew that Colin Kaepernick was a racist uh, crybaby. Now we find out he is a really, really bad actor. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I can say is that the, the fake, fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? So, Virginia is looking very good for uh, Mr. Yunkin down there. He's slightly ahead in the polls. Can't totally trust these polls, of course. Anything can happen, but it's looking good because people are getting a real good look at Terry McAuliffe. And uh, they're wondering, how did we elect this guy even once to be the governor of this state? Um, it looks like to me he went to the Joe Biden School of Anger Management. Take a look at this. July 20th, you accepted an endorsement from the new Virginia majority. They are a large defund the police organization who want to abolish prisons and ICE. You said that you were proud to accept their endorsement. Well, first of all, Sheriff, I'm proud to accept any endorsements. I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I can't. Groups that endorse me, I don't know everything they do. Have I ever supported defund the police? Are you out of your mind? I've invested in law enforcement. I just went through 25 minutes of telling you what I do for the police. Not defunded, I funded them. So you'll never support defunding? I, I won't even dignify that with a nation. If my track record of four years as governor, not enough of you to understand how I feel, I'm all for it. I will not dignify that with an answer. Unbelievable. I don't believe an answer to either one of those questions. But well, I don't care what you believe. I got a track record. 
And I'm proud of that track record. Nasty, wagging the finger. That's vintage Joe Biden. The indignation at a, a very basic, straightforward political question, and he gets offended and he doesn't answer it when a lot of Democrats actually support defunding the police. The sheriff is right to not believe this guy. All kinds of weird things are happening in Virginia. Uh, Mr. Yunkin, the Republican, had an event, and then this crew showed up. Remember this late last week? Looks kind of like those uh, guys with the tiki torches in Charlottesville the night before the really bad riot. Guess what? That's the whole intent. They want you to think that racists support Yunkin. I don't like racists. Racists are bad, so I will vote for McCullough. That's how dumb they think people are. Uh, this is all a stupid stunt. It's unclear, by the way, who's actually responsible, but they're trying to make the other guy look like a racist, and when you try to do that and the guy's not a racist... It's pretty apparent to me that the Democrats are losing, but we will see. Uh, that brings us to January 6th. Again, the, this is the date they want to milk so bad. Uh, the commission, they're still issuing subpoenas, not the commission, but the committee. Remember, racism, they still think the left really works for them as an issue. I obviously am very concerned about the rise of extremism and extremism related to white supremacy. The FBI has warned repeatedly that domestic terrorism fueled by white supremacy is the number one threat to the United States right now. White supremacy is, is the biggest bucket of concern when it comes to uh, domestic terrorism. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. So this is a Democrat political fantasy about white supremacy, that it is strong and it is uh, out there. It's not. It's not. And as they spend all of their brain power thinking about white supremacy, there are actual hate crimes happening that they won't look at and they won't call attention to Democrats and the media because they don't like, well, it makes them uncomfortable. Take a look at this. It actually happened in New York this weekend. Wow, that would be a firebombing in a Brooklyn store. And the guy's not done, but fortunately, the person behind is going to step in. Watch. As a firebombing that took place in New York City. Firebombing known to be a tactic that some extremists back in the 60s liked to use. It's actually happening in New York. But the race of the people involved... It's not what the, uh, the mainstream media want to talk about or deal with. It's not what politicians want to deal with. They love it when they can pretend white supremacy is responsible for any crime of the moment. Remember a few months ago, the spa killings in Atlanta, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden ran down there to claim it was white supremacy, even when law enforcement, the suspect, witnesses, uh, the victims themselves, all of it said this wasn't white supremacy. But the left, they just, they can't stop talking about it. Uh, take a look at this. Americans are at each other's throats, spun up by the sick stuff they see on social media. Every day, some random hyperlocal story about a migrant from Haiti or a refugee from Afghanistan is blown out of proportion into some doomsday international story about the death of white America's way of life. White America's way of life. There is no white America way of life. There's an American way of life. The left, they just love to do this. And they paint with such a broad brush. It is so 
insulting, quite frankly, to people on the other side of the political spectrum who are not white but not liberal. This is one of the most beautiful moments I've seen in my life, quite frankly. It was at the 2020 uh, Republican convention. They're all saying the Pledge of Allegiance and about to take the oath of office, oath of citizenship. Those people were all from all over the world. And there's Donald Trump standing proudly with them. I just thought that was great. America is not a race. It is, as Joe Biden said, an idea, right? Value system. I don't think he believes in it anymore, but we do. And uh, people of all races, all colors, still see hope in this country. Uh, so the media, they love playing up white supremacy. They also really love Pete Buttigieg, our Secretary of Transportation. He was on every single morning show yesterday. He is the Secretary of Transportation, yet he seems to be not at all interested in transportation. What I can tell you is that what's in the framework is utterly transformational and historic. Uh, finally getting preschool for every kid in this country, making childcare affordable for every family in this country. The biggest action we've done on climate uh, ever in, in, in U.S. history. It's barely within our grasp now uh, to be able to beat the worst effects of climate change. That means immediate action. And that's part of what's in this package. But also families okay. are ready. And it goes on like this and it goes on like this and on like this. First of all, I have to jump ahead and tell you why Pete Buttigieg is Secretary of the Treasury, okay? It's because of his sexual orientation. They started writing about it back when he was a candidate, and they could not stop writing about it. Political reporters just love this. They found it very, very interesting. And now he's been rewarded with a cabinet spot, the first openly gay cabinet member ever. That's also fake news, by the way. Donald Trump made Rick Grinnell his director of national intelligence. That was a cabinet-level post. And Rick Grinnell, who I actually consider a friend, happens to be gay. And Donald Trump chose not to make a big deal out of it. Neither did Rick Grinnell. But he happens to be the first openly such and such. Uh, but Pete is still a fake news favorite. Inquiring minds want to know uh, your twin... Children, uh, Penelope and Gus, are they going out tonight for Halloween? And if so, how will they be dressed? So, uh, uh, Chaston, my husband, found uh, uh, costumes. So even if you can't get the bill through the house, uh, Gus and Penelope will be infrastructure. We're going to get both, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you dealing with the lack of sleep? Uh, sleep is a, is a distant memory, but uh, we, uh, we're adjusting. All right, that's cute, I guess. What is Chris, how does Chris Wallace even know or care to know the name of that guy's twins, Penelope and Gus, for whom he took three months off as Secretary of the Transportation, three months after taking most of last year off? I'm surprised that didn't come up, but this is, uh, this is the man of the moment uh, when Joe Biden and the rest of the administration is gone. Uh, but at least on the Stephanopoulos show, after you have Buttigieg on, they make sure to bring on a Republican to, you know, for the other side. Thanks for your time this morning. Great being with you. Thank you. Now to Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger, one of only 10 GOP members who voted to impeach Donald Trump, one of only two serving on the January 6th committee. And Congressman Kinzinger joins us now. Thank you for joining us this morning, Congressman. What is that broader fight? How are you going to take it on? 
Uh, bye bye, Adam. I mean, this is their idea of a uh, of a Republican. OK, one who votes to impeach Donald Trump. This is not a fair fight down there in the swamp, but it's actually pretty funny. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, all right. I want to talk about Colin Kaepernick for a little while. Did you see the video that came out? First, you know, Colin, the guy who liked to kneel for the national anthem, he's basically, yes, I'll say it again, he's a racist crybaby, not very good on the football field. He's getting all kinds of deals, book deals, the sneaker company, and Netflix. Netflix can't get enough of them. Take a look at this. Very, very bizarre observations from uh, Mr. Kaepernick. Coaches will tell you they're looking for warriors, killers, beasts. They say they want you to be an animal out there. And you want to give them that. Let me tell you something. What they don't want you to understand is what's being established is a power dynamic. How about that look, huh? How about that look? Possibly the worst acting ever. Keep going, Colin. Before they put you on the field, teams poke, prod, and examine you, searching for any defect that might affect your performance. No boundary respected. No dignity left intact. Sounds like the military. No big deal. Keep going. here, of course. Um, you know, I'm thankful that I grew up with a great uh, miniseries and book, Roots by Alex Haley. Now today's uh, next generation, they have to look at Colin Kaepernick. I mean, to learn these twisted lessons, twisted from his mouth. Hey, the NFL, they're not slave drivers. I'm not a big football fan, but Colin Kaepernick made tens of millions of dollars from this organization. And oh, by the way, it's not just black Talented players who want to be NFL players. White NF people want to be NFL players as well. And wasn't it sad the way they, that assistant coach, who knows what his name is, probably just some actor, but he's white and just his presence is supposed to be a negative thing. They're equating that man to a slave driver. It is hideously, hideously offensive. But for the most part, I laugh at this thing because he is a terrible, terrible actor. Oh, and somebody else made fun of it, and it was really good. The Babylon Bee. Kaepernick said that no slave owner will enslave him no matter how many times he tries out to be a slave. Remember, he tried many times to get back into uh, football after the whole kneeling thing. All right. Very lost person, in my opinion. Here's this. In St. Louis, the mayor of that city, Tashora Jones, had just uh, wrapped up a roundtable on gun violence, and she was speaking with the media when this happened. Is that? Somebody started shooting a couple of blocks away, just as she was speaking up about what she had done. 
the discussion about combating gun violence. I applaud her, by the way, Tashora Jones. Um, yeah, that was pretty wild. This is what else she said. I hear gunshots in my neighborhood every night. My son and I fall asleep to the lullaby of gunshots in the distance every night because I'm the first mayor in over 20 years to be born, raised, and still live in North St. Louis. Uh, so we live in a, in a neighborhood that, you know, we hear it more often than not. And, and it's unfortunate, you know, yes, I heard it, but I didn't flinch uh, because, you know, I'm, I guess I, I'm, it's, it's a part of my life now. It doesn't have to be that way. It looks like she's working hard and taking proactive steps, but too few are. And looking to silly phantoms like white supremacy and other uh, non-factors like that. Lee she seems to be confronting uh, the real issues, and we applaud her for that. Stay with us. We have a special letter from a prisoner, a political prisoner, we call him, in custody because of his actions on January 6th. We'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. To the witnesses, the, the leaders of, of Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell, I know that the climate activists in Twitter world, which Dave Chappelle says doesn't exist, and he's right because it's just people who have nothing better to do but type on their keyboards, and we do it too here in Congress. But let's be very clear. You need an apology because what I witnessed today um, was just rank intimidation by the chair of this committee. Trying to get you to pledge on what you're going to spend your money on is a gross violation of the First Amendment. That's Congressman Byron Donalds, a Republican of Florida, Southwest Florida, and he is uh, really wowing people in and out of Washington. That was one crazy hearing, and the witnesses, oil energy executives, were being abused, and he stuck up for him in a pretty powerful way. Byron, uh, Congressman Donalds joins us right now. Uh, sir, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. It's good to be with you. You bet. You bet. Uh, it, one thing that I've noticed, you're just not reluctant to call out the insanity that seems to be all around you in Congress. And you don't let yourself off the hook or your side of the aisle, the tweeting and that kind of thing. Why will the Congressional Black Caucus not let you in? I mean, honestly, for them, I think it's really caught up with uh, just being against President Trump and, you know, all the stuff associated with January 6th. And they put themselves into a position where they're just saying, no, it's not really about me because, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a black man, but it's also not about the fact that I probably grew up poorer than a lot of they, a lot of them and how they grew up, you know. But I don't try to get too caught up in what they're trying to do, what their politics are. You know, I, do I think I should be a part? Yes, I do. Uh, but am I going to sit there and beg? No, I'm not. I'm still a man. I'm still here to, as a member of Congress. I have a job to do. I'm going to represent my people that sent me. And that's pretty much about it. That's really much more their problem than it's mine. Um Every time Donald Trump turns around, whenever he engages the fake news, which, quite frankly, hasn't been too much lately, uh, but when he does, when he's out there, they're always trying to get him, you know, to condemn white supremacy, to condemn racism. And he has many, many times. I just want to play you a sequence of all this. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. Racism is evil. 
And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. I denounce white supremacy, okay? You did I two denounced days white supremacy for years. I just find it amazing. He keeps denouncing it strongly, clearly, but they love to play a little fake game about this. And I feel like overall, Congressman, I'd love your thoughts. America is having a dishonest conversation about race to avoid having a serious and substantive one. Well, first thing with respect to President Trump, uh, your clips are right. There are substantially more. Um, Donald Trump's always denounced it. The media does not care because the media's entire purpose is to support the Democrat agenda and anything that helps to get that agenda accomplished is what they're going to do. Even if it means ignoring the statements, the plenty of statements, the plethora of statements that have come from Donald Trump. But it's bigger than that. The reason why they go after Donald Trump is because the media and the progressive left do not like conservative values. They do not like conservative ideals. They do not want America to be a center-right country. They're trying to move it to be a progressive Marxist country. And if you're trying to do that, then everybody must be, be destroyed in the process. And the reason why there's no conversation about race, because if you have a conversation about race, then you actually might solve something. And it's not in the left um, agenda list to actually solve anything. They want to keep the issues going. They want to keep the divisions going. Because when you keep the divisions going, that's how they can run out there every four years, every two years, and talk about how the Republicans want to want to throw you in chains and all this other nonsense that they go. But look at what Terry McAuliffe is doing right now in Virginia. He's not talking about what Glenn Youngkin's actually campaigning on. He's calling Glenn Youngkin a racist. They try to tie him to Charlottesville for crying out loud. This is the stuff that has gone on in this campaign. It's what the Democrats do every election cycle. But people are sick of it. They sure are. Sure. Uh, but we're glad you're on the scene. Now, you just got there. Uh, you were sworn in in January. What's your priority? If you could make anything happen, what or look, you can't make anything happen. But what do you want? What are you working on? What would you like to see? Uh, what's your number one priority? Oof, man, that's a big one. I mean, honestly, I probably would get rid of half of the, the federal bureaucracy, make sure we actually balance our budgets and kept them balanced for a change and start to be paid on our national debt. Last but not least, just get government out of the ways of our businesses and our people. If you leave people to themselves, other than making sure we have clear rules to the road, our country is phenomenal. Our people are phenomenal. They will innovate. They will grow our economy. They'll live their best lives and, frankly, help other people live theirs as well. But it's only when government try to stick its nose in the way so that you have people up here on Capitol Hill who will make you think that they're somehow important or we somehow need them. That's how Washington messes up the rest of America. So it's a that's a big list, even though you asked me for one thing, but that's a big <laughs> list anyway. Anything that you've been pleasantly surprised by since you've been uh, on Capitol Hill? We know it's dysfunctional, but is there is there one area where things are surprisingly working well or anything come to mind? No. Not one thing. I mean, this place is a basket case. It's a dumpster fire. The only good thing about it is that we do have a lot of members who genuinely care about the country. Unfortunately, they're not members in leadership. Um, our leadership, frankly, has been here far too long. Uh, you have members who've been, in, who've been serving since Clinton was president for quiet, crying out loud. Um, and you need to really have a cleaning of the House and the Senate, for that matter. It's time for a lot of people to go home so we get fresh blood in here so we can actually get to the business of actually representing and serving the American people. You know what's amazing to me? The mainstream media, they call President Trump a racist, yet they support Joe Biden, who has said many, many horrible things in, regarding race. This is, I think, perhaps the most egregious. Take a look.
And but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. That, that to me revealed so much, and I can't forget it, quite frankly. Uh, I wonder if I'm making too big a deal out of that, and did you notice it, Congressman Donalds? Did I notice it? Of course I did, man. I'm, I don't live under a rock. I saw it. I was pissed. I was furious. I mean, look, to Joe Biden, in all honesty, you, he's incompetent every way. Anyway, the man's never been right on anything. And if he really wants to check to see if I'm black, all he has to do is come to my office and find out firsthand. But he won't do that. And, and this is all, let's be very clear. What Joe Biden likes to do, do is throw out these phrases to try to act like he's, he's championing some cause. The reality is he's an incompetent politician who's been around for, for 50 years. I'm 43. He's been around for 50. He's never accomplished anything. Depending on what happens this week, he still won't accomplish anything. And he'll go to the ash heap of history like too many other people in this town for far too long. You're 43. Joe Biden had completed one term in the U.S. Senate by the time you were born. That's pretty wild. And uh, <laughs> Joe has been around way too long. This is uh, it's amazing. Well, I have a feeling you're going to be around for a long time, too, doing whatever you want to do. Congressman Byron Donalds. Please come back soon. We appreciate it so much. Good luck. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Take care now. We'll be right back. One of the protesters on Capitol Hill on January 6th was Nathan DeGrave. You'll see him right here back in happier times. He has been in custody basically ever since. And, uh, he made a letter available to his lawyer, and uh, it's circulating on social media. Now, first of all, he was there. We have footage of him walking through one of the hallways. You see him there highlighted. Uh, a few moments later, he's in something of a pushing match. It's a bit confusing. He may have pushed, it's unclear, uh, somebody in law enforcement, but there is a scuffle, and that's all we could really find about what he was doing on that day. Uh, nevertheless, his letter is, is something, and I'm going to read it to you. Dear fellow Americans, I never thought I'd write a letter like this, but we're living in very different times. This is my cry for help. My name is Nathan DeGrave, and as a nonviolent participant at the January 6th rally, uh, I've spent the nine, last nine months detained as a political prisoner in pod C2B, at the D.C. Department of Corrections, otherwise known as D.C.'s Gitmo. The conditions here for January 6ers have been inhumane. In fact, some inmates are even begging to be transferred to Guantanamo Bay, where they have more acceptable standards. Class action lawsuits are being filed against this prison, and even the ACLU has gotten involved. So let me tell you about me and many others who are January 6ers and what we've been experiencing in D.C.'s Gitmo. Our conditions for the last 120 days uh, for D.C.'s Gitmo, January 6ers experienced daily lockdowns for 23 to 24 hours before being allowed to leave our small 120 square foot cell. The physical and mental anguish that results from this kind of severe isolation has caused many people to go on a rapid mental decline. As a result, a large percentage of us are heavily medicated with anti-anxiety and antidepressant drugs, which helps to cope with the psychological and mental abuse we endure. Many times, the little recreation we do receive is stripped away if our cell isn't up to standards of the guard on duty. This changes from day to day. January 6ers have lost recreation time and out-of-cell activity time 
for any news interviews about the jail when they are aired on TV, when people speak up about our conditions or rallies are held in our name. We'll probably have a lockdown upon the publishing of this letter, so I have already warned those I know in advance. I suffer headaches and nausea. I, am, I have already lost 15 pounds since I've been detained. And you saw earlier he was quite thin and fit to begin with. After in-person visits, legal or otherwise, we are forced to undergo humiliating strip searches despite all visitors being thoroughly checked for contraband. If it's a legal visit, we are placed in a 14-day quarantine with no out-of-cell time, even if your attorney is vaccinated and tests negative for COVID. Visits with friends or family members for unvaccinated inmates are never allowed. I am being unfairly prosecuted and definitely overcharged. I never assaulted anyone, destroyed property, or stolen anything. Please don't be fooled by the media. I am a loving and peaceful person with no history of violence. He says, share this letter with everyone you know, friends and family, senators, representatives, political organizers, civil rights groups, and media outlets. The truth has to get out, and the jail must pay for what they are doing to this country's citizens. The government has essentially canceled me. Uh, he is in desperate need of health with his legal expenses as well. His name is, again, Nathaniel DeGrave. Can we independently verify everything that he said here? No, but um, it certainly rings true and very much in line with what we've heard from, from others. We wish him luck. We wish all of those people uh, luck. So many of them we know have been held in custody, even though they broke nothing and hurt no one. We'll be right back. Just about every American has some connection to New York City. Got a relative here. You came through here yourself. You'll be here someday on vacation. Well, maybe. New York is, is a total mess. It's in total crisis because we have had the worst mayor in the history of mayors for the past eight years, a guy by the name of de Blasio. Well, his time is almost up, and a lot of us are really pulling for our next guest, Curtis Sliwa, the Republican and independent candidate for mayor. Election day is tomorrow. Curtis has been working furiously uh, for the people of New York. I can vouch for that firsthand. He's on the ballot. Uh, this is a Democrat city, so the odds may be stacked against him, but anything can happen in politics. Curtis Sliwa, welcome back to Newsmax. How you doing? Uh, I've had better days, Greg. I got, I mean, smashed into by a yellow cab on Friday. Broke my elbow. I have a uh, slight concussion. But you know something? I've learned a lot, Greg. I got to avoid yellow cabs, period. I got shot in the back of a yellow cab by the Gaudis and Gambinos back in 1992. Five hollow point bullets. Now I almost got killed by a yellow cab. I think I'm going to stick to riding the subways with you, Craig, because I've run into you so many times on the subways. It's true, Curtis, and you are the real deal. But you were, you've been down there for, what, 40, 45 years. Tell us a little bit about the Guardian Angels. Uh, we've got people watching coast to coast, but we really do want New Yorkers to get out there and vote. You started the Guardian Angels. The city was, uh, was a very different place, or at least different up until very recently. Tell us about that group. Well, I started the Guardian Angels as a night manager of McDonald's in the Bronx back in 1979. And that was to 
deter crime, to make citizens arrest and to help the police. I thought I was doing a good thing. But the mayor at that time, Ed Koch, didn't like it. And I got arrested 76 times. Oftentimes, I was given wooden shampoos, concrete facials, and was locked up for trying to help people. No guns, no weapons, no special powers or privileges. Then Rudy Giuliani was elected in 1993 and saved the city, turned it from the most crime-infested city in America, the murder capital of America, into the safest big city in America. And he gave some of that credit to I and the Guardian Angels. And since then, we've gone into 13 countries and 130 cities. So that's the track record I've used to run for the mayoralty, where in this election, it's about crime, crime, and making sure that we return a quality of life so that there are safe streets, safe subways, safe parks, safe schools, and especially for the many who are watching now who'd like to return to New York City after the pandemic and the lockdown, and they don't have to wear a bulletproof body condom if Curtis Slee was elected mayor tomorrow. You've been a very prominent social activist, I think it's safe to say, a very successful and prominent broadcaster. You mentioned Rudy Giuliani. He has endorsed you enthusiastically. He's on your side. One of the greatest mayors of all time is pulling for you. The guy you're running against named Adams has all kinds of problems. It turns out he may not even live in New York, and he likes to uh, cozy up to gang members. Uh, at least it seems that way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep. The other morning he was on one of these hip-hop morning shows, and he said, you know something? I've recently met with gang leaders with bodies. Now, Greg Kelly, that's a street euphemism to describe gang leaders who have shot and killed people. And yet, in all the time he's been running for mayor, first in the Democratic primary and now the general election, he's never met with the police unions. He's only met with gang leaders who have killed. And he wants to give them parity. He wants them to be part of the overall public safety program in New York City. I tell you what, Greg. If the people of New York City haven't lost their minds, they'll elect me. And I will go after these gang leaders who have killed, lock them up, throw away the key, put them in jail, no bail, and prosecute them for these major crimes that they've committed. Not elevate them, put them on a pedestal, and give them parity with the police? That's crazy. Curtis Sliwa, your time has arrived, I feel. And tomorrow could really... Shock the world. Uh, you know, we're pulling for you. I am. And uh, tomorrow is Election Day in New York City and in other locations as well. Good luck, Curtis. Check him out on social media. And uh, to be continued, I'm sure. Thank you very much. Good luck out there. Greg Kelly, I see you down in the subway where I always <laughs> see you. All right, pal. Yes, indeed. Uh, I tried the bus today. I'm much better off underground, I decided. We'll be right back. Folks, tomorrow night, I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'll be live tweeting from home, uh, but you should watch Newsmax, uh, our special election night coverage. You know, I'm the opinion guy, so I got to wait to see what happens, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I think on Wednesday, all right? Uh, great people will be here, though. Uh, have fun, and uh, let's hope for the best.